This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hi, Ellis Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parking or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com hello and welcome to the Love strangers a swindon town fan podcast proudly sponsored by the stfc official supporters club rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside beautiful play that is that what a good shot Rich, how you doing? I am very well, thank you very much. And it's been a while since we talked. It has, yeah. Uh, I think that I spoke to Connor after the the whole win, and then I think up before that was we were just going in. I think we just played a cup game. I can't remember which one, but it was one of the uh, the evening cup games that I think we'd lost. It was a defeat, and you were on your way back in the car, hands free, if I remember rightly. Yeah, the uh, the connection really didn't do us a service, did it? It did not. So this is really our first opportunity to really get into the mind of Will Fowler, um, head of media and communications for Swindon Town Football Club. Did I get the title right? Yeah, 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 yeah. A bit of a, a bit of a long-winded one. That one. I tend to just say head of head of media. I mean, this is this is your first gig in pro football, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's my first first sort of job within a within a club. So it was all relatively new. It's it all sort of been before it was just working on accounts, essentially. I used to work for a company who sort of outsourced social media content and essentially ran the channels for sort of like the Premier League, um, FPL, sort of the fantasy stuff, and then Wimbledon and, and a few other a few other accounts, which was quite good experience. But yeah, first, first time within a, a club setting. Was going into the club setting the goal for you or is it just something that you sort of fell into 
Um, I mean, when when you sort of do the journalism courses, it, it's always something you, you, you obviously are told from day dot to, to connect to as and sort of network with as many people as possible. And, and obviously, when you do that, you're speaking to, and you're sort of connecting with people on LinkedIn who work for clubs and who are sort of high up at, at, at um well not just sort of football but any sort of sports club so you look at that and you think well yeah I'd quite like to try my hand at that and, and see see where it take me um but it was very much a case of I lost my job at the beginning of or end of March sorry just when lockdown hit the first time through covid um and I was unemployed for a good sort of 3 or 4 months and then out of the blue, Ben Hook messaged me and said, your name's popped up. I'm leaving my post at Swindon. Um, is it something you're interested in? And then, yeah, had an interview probably about a week later and then like just almost went immediately and, and got the job um, and started, yeah, beginning, I think it was like the first week of August. I mean, I, I did my degree, you know, well over a decade ago now. And football in academia was very much a niche thing in the terms of I know that they had the football industries MBA in the uh, University of Liverpool. Um, I know that Leicester did stuff, but now you've got so much more and there's a lot of people trying to get into this industry via the various courses. And, you know, Wembley have their university now, don't they, essentially, along with Burnley and Manchester City, you know, the essentially football college, isn't it? But something that you mentioned is that there's so many avenues it's just not I want to be social media guy or I want to be the media guy at a football club there are so many other occupations within the industry that you can go into isn't there absolutely I mean there's even just within a football club you you get to realize I mean apart from sort of the young the uncut lads which we have um, which was obviously incredibly successful last year they they sort of help with the videography of 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 our content on a match day where I'll have one lad who helps me with the match reports and stuff like that. Like other than that, there's sort of, there's just me in the, in the department as it were. It's not really a department. It's sort of like a one man team, but you, you realize how much there is. So you can go into like the press side and that's sort of where the communications part comes in my title uh, of my job. But it's like that sort of thing can really interest you. And if you want to sort of liaise with other people, that, can be an avenue you go down there's so much even sort of within a club but the but the courses now that that are offered at universities can give you skills to go into pretty much anything you want because they they are such such varied courses and it's such a general so like the course I did was a master's in uh sports sports broadcast journalism so that could be going into writing could be social media which is obviously where I ended up um it could be being a tech assistant uh on i don't know bbc sport or something like that just trying to work out how to how to use a camera and stuff like that they they teach you so much and they give you such a sort of like a broad or give you like a foundation of a range of things so that you can essentially push yourself into whatever you want to do and just build on that yeah absolutely now when you're old and grey, I think you'll be talking about your first year in within a football club um, because you will not forget this season anytime soon. So, first of all, what was it like coming into a club amidst a, pa- a pandemic? Oh, what? It, it was strange. I mean, I, I spoke to... Because obviously I, I was so excited because... They'd obviously done the team had done so well the year before, and 
that was that sort of set the benchmark, didn't it? Really, and and the amount of like you put it on Twitter that you you're going into a new job and you say where you're going, and they all sort of say, oh, you know, good luck, well, you know, welcome to the club and whatnot. But a lot of people then sort of said, oh yeah, well Ben Ben did an incredible job and he, you know, huge boots to fill, and that sort of it puts you under a little bit of pressure. I'm not going to lie. So those first couple of weeks, I sort of I thought because I didn't get too much time to work with Ben. Um, it was literally a case of if you come in. Tuesday and Wednesday and we'll, I'll talk you through it and then you start Monday so it was all sort of very new and and it was a bit of a um a bit of a roller coaster the first couple of weeks um but yeah it was my, my friend said to me before that uh before I, when I said that I'd got the job he, he said look he said you are joining uh a club at the sort of most like the strangest time in sort of sports history and when you look at it like that, it makes you think that's a really strange way of putting it, but also like a really good way of putting it because it really is like the strangest times. Um, and obviously every every town fan knows that, you know, when there's no fans there, it's, it's a strange old atmosphere. But it really does sort of test you and challenge you um, in a way that is nice because you're sort of chucked in at the deep end, which which I quite like, I quite like, having to sort of be under a little bit of pressure to perform. Um, but yeah, it's very, very, very strange, a very strange time to to be sort of working in. Things haven't happened this year, like the programme and the match day experience. So would it be sort of a, a case for you to retrain once the fans are back permanently? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, the the programme was one that, that I was really not upset, but I was, I was disappointed that, that never sort of, kicked on I mean we obviously Ben Ben put so much of his time into the program and and I'll be brutally honest when I started that sort of scared me bearing in mind sort of how much time I put into the job and think well Jesus Ben must have put so much more sort of time into into his work because the program seemed to take up quite a lot of his time and I, and I still feel that and I feel guilty that that the fans haven't been able to have that experience of the program um in terms of sort of logistics and whatnot, I mean, I've had numerous conversations with, with publishers and, and designers and stuff like that. And when you sort of speak to speak to the higher ups at the club as well, you just find out that it's it's really not sort of feasible. But just because you, you don't necessarily, you're not sort of guaranteed to make the money that you would get on a match day when people are coming in and buying stuff. Um, I mean, you can do stuff online. You can get the I've seen a couple of clubs get the program online, but realistically i think there are a lot of clubs in the efl that have have chosen not to to do a program because it is just it's just not cost effective because if you're doing it digitally i imagine you know there's no funds coming in anyway is it just a drain of resource to compile that on a weekly or bi-weekly basis um i you know i I don't want to make it sound like i'm not sort of doing the job properly but it, it 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 seemed like a case of on if you're working on your own within a team sort of, of yourself it's it seems quite difficult to to make sure that everything's everything's in place and whatnot and and i think as well the content especially now where the players are, are literally coming going to training coming to the ground to pick up their lunch and then going home and they're now in a routine of that that when you think about okay well if i'm going to get contact you need to do an interview with a player and stuff like that that has to be then done on zoom so you have to wait for them to get home and then by that time you're probably leaving as well so then you're doing it into the sort of 
the the late hours of the evening and and sort of from what I've gauged so far obviously you know players are happy to help out with media and and, and they sort of are um it's within their contract that they have to do it but you you start to realize sort of how much of a burden you feel on these sort of players lives which obviously shouldn't be the way because they they should be doing it but you it's just a strange um just a strange way of of having to do your job I suppose I find that really relatable in the terms of the burden because you know I ask people to spend an hour two hours plus with me in their spare time and I've always I always think oh my goodness I don't want to upset this person or anything like that and you know most of the time they're, they're well, all the time they're so nice and they yeah. enjoy the chat and and yet the anxiety is at my side going oh my goodness I hope I'm not annoying them with messages and things like that something that you mentioned there as well that interests me is about the player routine because this season hasn't gone well you know we're we're really struggling down there and you know this podcast has been quite critical on our Monday episodes because you know that's what fans do when when we're not good but in terms of player routines especially for our senior players who have been playing a decade plus and their day-to-day was pretty much the same regardless of what club they're at and now suddenly they're working in this new routine that must have an impact on them. yeah I, I mean I, I don't think they're they're huge fans of it you you sort of when you're coming in and you're speaking to people like Paul Caddis, who's obviously been there, done it for for all these years, and you sort of ask him, you know, how you're getting on, what like, you know, how do you see this routine? And and he sort of sits there and you know, he said, I hate it. I hate having to, you know, you you go training for sort of an hour and a half, two hours in the morning. You come back to the ground where normally you'd come and you'd you'd have a bit of rehab. You'd go in the gym. You'd sort of walk just sort of keeping yourself busy just walking around and and seeing people talking to people sort of speaking to the analysts seeing what's going on there like obviously with the physio and whatnot they just can't do that anymore and and I think for people like Cads who's who's done it for so many years so him Groundsy um Frenchy as well like they're they're obviously people that have been around for a while and this all of a sudden is just completely changing their their routine and and i I really don't think they like it too much. No, no. And, and I appreciate this is the same for every club all over the country. But I mean, for people like Paul Caddis, who obviously is away from his family as well, you know, so he's probably just living in, you know, on his own. And like so many people are struggling in that respect. What, what about your day to day then during the time of COVID? So when you are in the office, what what is your day? Uh, so, so, well, the last sort of week or so has been spent uh in my bedroom um which has been quite quite interesting but uh if i'm if i'm going in on a normal day i'll um i'll I'll, first off i'll go and see the club secretary um and i'll go and i'll go and ask him if there's anything going on so anything i should be sort of prepared for any sort of potential inbounds or outbounds or any sort of club news that i need to get ready for um and then i'll usually go and make myself a coffee um have a little sit down and sort of just plan, plan ahead through the day. Um, there'll, there'll be sort of numerous admin bits. So it'll be stuff like getting hold of, um, the sort of the opposition that we're playing on a weekend and, and putting my, my accreditation applications through for myself, for the, um, the club photographer, making sure that's all okay. Make sure he's got, he's got parking for the game and, and that he's got sort of all the, the access that he needs. 
Um, and then, yeah, it's a, it's a case of like, say, I'll, I'll, I'm sort of, it's quite nice because you get sort of bombarded with emails, which is actually all right because some things it can be, there can be things like, I think we've had a, we've had fans who are in really crappy situations and, you know, you don't really appreciate how good you've got it sometimes and until you've heard some of the stories of, of the fans that, uh, that really haven't got it going their way. Um, and that sort of thing can, you can deal with however you, well, however you want, but I tend to sort of try and get the players to sign a card or, or we'll try and find a shirt or something like that to, to try and sort out for them just to, you don't realise how much you can make someone's day by just a tiny little random act of kindness and that sort of thing. It, you know, we, we get that quite a lot. We, we get people who are saying, you know, we, we've got a family member who's really struggling or they've got an illness or something like that. So, I mean, I'm not saying that's, that's what happens every day, but it's just emails like that that come through that you, you sort of occupy your time and try and try and get something out to them or try and make them, even if it's a, like a like on Twitter, or something like that. Um, just something, because you, especially in my job, you're in a position of real power to to try and make someone feel happy. Because realistically, that's what we're trying to do. That you know, even when we lose, it's it's a case of trying to keep spirits up and keep people interested in in what they're seeing. And and that sort of what what I well, the reason I sort of took the job was to try and put put a smile on people's faces. I know that. Obviously, that's not easy now because of the, the results that we're getting. Um, but it's that sort of thing that, that sort of keeps keeps me tickling and keeps me keeps the smile on my face, especially during during the sort of recent results and whatnot. Um, and then sort of yeah, that just really scheduling stuff up for Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. As you, as you mentioned there, you you've just spent the last ten days or so in your room, sadly self isolating, but. The good news is that you know nothing came of it as far as you were concerned. Yeah. What's it like covering a game, especially the Ipswich one, and not being there? Do you know what? That was single-handedly the worst thing about having spending my time off. I mean, it, the first sort of six or seven days, I was cooped up with a mask on in my bedroom, and and <laughs> honestly, it, that bit was horrible. But to watch the lads go out on uh, onto the pitch on on Saturday against Ipswich and and watch them do so well it was honestly gutting like from my point of view I, I was so happy for the lads like and watching Scott Twine bang one in from 30 odd yards was, was literally incredible I'm just gutted that I wasn't there to experience it having said that I, I feel like the output was better from home because obviously I'm watching it from Sky you've got four or five replays and especially on DJ's second goal you can sort of see that Brett has gone towards it but hasn't actually touched it so obviously you've got people on Twitter saying no that's Pittman's goal he's 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 got a foot onto that so it sort of makes my job a little bit um a little bit more accurate which was quite nice but yeah coming I obviously got texts from the analyst and the head of S and C and stuff like that saying, Oh, you you missed a really good game and I'm like, Yeah, mate, I know. <laughs> don't you don't have to tell me. Um but it was weird because we had to so obviously I'm not there, so so all the sort of the press stuff at the end was bonkers. Honestly it was bonkers. So we had to um because BBC Wiltshire, so Sean and oh well Sean wouldn't go anywhere, but Andrew Hawes and, and Rob were there from BBC 
well, they couldn't go to the game because it was outside of the tier and the BBC are, are really sort of um, putting a halt on, on their teams travelling. So we had to sort out, obviously, their commentary. Um, and then we had to, uh, at the end of the game, had to make sure that a player and, and the, the gaffer were, were ready for press. Of course, the gaffer's done Sky because they were there. He's then had to do the national sort of papers and the press then. And then he's come back in. And then we've had to then call him again to get BBC Wilts on the phone. Um, so that was a bit uh, bit mental trying to organise and, and make sure that that was okay. But when when those sort of things happen and you, and you finish the day with a win, you know for a fact that, that your Sunday or the day after and the day after that is going to be filled with content from the win. So it it hasn't it wasn't that bad. If we'd have lost, it, it'd have been a different story because then it'd have meant that the Sunday and the Monday would have been a bit quieter. And you know, I, I tend not to to sort of put too much on the socials after a loss just because it's still quite raw. Um, but yeah, the Ipswich win was was incredible. But again, one that I, w- I wish I'd have been there to see. I think in terms of the Ipswich game, and I include the Oxford game in this, but I think the Ipswich game following it and and seeing that goal and just imagining what the away end would have been like, I think that was the first time in all of this that I thought to myself, Ipswich doesn't happen as a fixture for Swindon for that often. And I probably would have gone to that game. And just having that pang of like, oh man, Oxford not so much because Oxford comes with its own sort of, you know, problems just go in there. But but Ipswich definitely was one that it's just like, oh, that would have been amazing. That would have been something because it's a horrible journey going to that part of England. And I think it would have flown by the return had um, had fans been there. But what was your Oxford experience like? I don't think I've experienced anything like it. People know this, but they don't know this or the, the full story. So we went, uh, obviously, we I put the preview up the day before, um, and it was and it was the picture of um, of their sort of fourth stand. It was actually the scoreboard, um, and I put that. And, and obviously, a lot of Swindon fans liked that because it was sort of a, a sort of tongue in cheek. Well, I don't dig at the club, but it was a sort of tongue in cheek post. And Carl Robinson didn't take too too kindly to it, um, so we were then their media guy said, "Look, we'll, you can sit. You can either go up in sort of the gods with the press box, or if you need to get some stuff done after the game, you can sit down in with the substitutes." So I was sat down with the substitutes, and then obviously they scored the first goal, and that that sort of killed you a little bit because you just thought like you know you're going to get a hounding on social afterwards like if you if you lose the game and we're sort of sat there midway through the second half and Brody gets up and we think oh, okay we should be scoring goals at the minute we shouldn't be bringing on bringing on defenders um and some I think the uh the SNC interns turned to me and said I think Brody's going on up top and I said no mate you, you're having me on <laughs> and then obviously I've seen Johnny Leefeld oh, I think Brody's going on up top um and then obviously it, everything sort of unfolded. Like, it's amazing. I've said this so many times. I, I mean, I, I'm a West Ham fan. So it's once you've started working for a club and you start working with the players and you get to know the players and what it means to them and the staff, you feel embedded and you feel a supporter of that club. Um, 
and like I say, so the first goal went in, and obviously, like we were we were buzzing that we'd equalised so late on. It was it was amazing. Um, and then I think actually when Bordy scored that first one, the internet went down uh, at the Kassam. So I'm trying to put out a video, like a, the goal gift saying, oh, you know, Brody scored, he's equalised, and it just wasn't going out. And it was the most frustrating thing. We even had it when Twine scored against Ipswich the other day. We, we, we sort of put it up, and then uh, I then had to tweet, oh, uh, just as, you know, <laughs> the internet's really poor around here, Brody has equalised. And then obviously we then scored that last minute goal and I, I don't I don't think I've ever celebrated so I came home I literally drove home and I had a smile on my face the entire way home because it's only you know half an hour down the road from where I live and yeah honestly I'm unbelievable I mean it was we we had bless him the kit man who is a diehard Swindon fan I mean they, they both are Swindon fans but Jonah bless him he's worked for the club all the way up I think he's been um, he worked as a ball boy. I think he's been in the shop. He's been in sort of doing the tickets. He's been on the on the ticket stalls. He's he's literally done a lot. And now he's got sort of, I suppose, his dream job as the the kit man. And and seeing his face and seeing his reaction was was honestly genuinely something I'll never forget. Oh, he's a young lad. So whether I doubt he remembers the last time Swindon managed to beat Oxford <laughs> in in ninety minutes. Um, yeah, it, it was really surreal you don't have like the venom of the home supporters but you do have like pockets of oxford employees all around you just and you must have just felt their angst when when the full whistle the full-time whistle went you know it's funny i i genuinely didn't i i and i think i think it was sort of what had happened before the game that you know <laughs> that carl would come over and sort of said what he said to me I, I think at that moment I I just I could not I could not just care anything about Oxford I, I literally I jumped in the air I tried to get a get the sort of full-time graphic put out and then as soon as that happened I ran down to the pitch and got my phone out and just tried to try to film as much as I can um and try and sort of get the emotion and, and whatnot. And I think Jordan Stevens sort of grabbed hold of me and cuddled me. And I thought, oh, this is a bit strange. Because <laughs> he like, didn't really know sort of too much about the game. Well, neither did I, to be fair. I'd obviously, you, you hear what you hear what the fans say about it before and and you know sort of what it means to them. So you try and, you try and get the best sort of content that resonates with them. And by going on the pitch and, and sort of going towards Brody and him sort of screaming into the camera and, and saying, yes, come on, like that was sort of the, the main highlight for me. It was just a case of, right, full-time whistle's gone. I'm going to go down there and, and try and capture something. And then obviously you saw as well, Brody, when he came back to the county ground, the amount of the amount of fans that, that were there waiting. He was he was going to go back into the ground, just get in his car and go. And the security guy went, "No, nah, Brody, come on, mate. You, you have to go and you have to go and see these fans. They're literally all screaming your name." Um, and and I wish, because like I say, I, I drove straight home, so I, I didn't get to go back to the county ground. So I, like, I wish I'd have um, I wish I'd have experienced that sort of that homecoming for for the lads because they really deserved it. Absolutely amazing moment for Tom Broadbent, who you know I don't think he's going to go on and play fifty, a hundred, hundred and fifty times for Swindon, but that one moment or those two moments are going to mean that he's going to be talked about in Swindon history forever. And frankly, if Carl Robinson had a word with me before the game as a Swindon employee, when the full-time whistle went, I would have made sure eye contact was made and I would have given a wink and the gun 
um, I think maybe um, afterwards. So well done you for being, you know, for taking the uh, moral high ground. He's a big guy, Carl Robinson. I'm not going to lie. When he's up in your face, it's it's a whole different sort of kettle of fish. And I sort of went, oh well, you know, nothing nothing too bad's going to happen. Like it won't, you know, no, no one's going to get hit because he he can't do that. But it was, yeah. I must admit, I was a bit like, uh, all right, well, we got to make sure we win now. <laughs> and luckily we did in sort of the most dramatic fashion they must get it every week but it wasn't even that bad considering what teams have thrown our way including teams like Oxford I mean their social media after the game was you know laughable we're kind of going backwards really so be it but so much has happened in this season and it, it must be just a whirlwind for you I mean we've also had we've also had a managerial change and you would have spent a couple of months really trying to get to know the manager because he's an important part of your day-to-day in the terms of trying to get quotes from him, trying to get stuff from him. And then it changes. How did you find that? That was a really strange one because I, you know, Richie Welland, the, and, and don't, and obviously, you know, the, the fans are going to, and are going to have their opinion. I mean, I found him so, so easy to, to sort of get on with. Um, he was, he was brilliant with the media. He, he knew exactly what to say and, and he, he said it with such conviction and obviously like we found out with, you know, questioning loyalties and whatnot. Um, but he was, he was a really good guy to work for. Um, and he was, he was always there to sort of have a laugh and a joke, but obviously when it was serious, it was serious. Um, that was a really strange one because obviously I'd seen on social media that it was going to happen. Um, and there were sort of talks and, and to be perfectly honest with you, I, I never really thought, you know, I thought, ah, uh, you know, maybe I underestimated the powers of of Alan Nixon and how much, how much sort of uh, no he has on on everything. But it, it genuinely wasn't until the day where we played Plymouth, um, when I walked in, I got a text from Danny Lee saying um, Nixon's been on again. Apparently, Wellens is going to Salford, and we sort of thought, right, okay, well. I, I said I haven't heard anything and then I literally went into the went into sort of under the tunnel and he was packing his stuff and and he was off um and it yeah it was weird it was a strange like because like you say you you build up you sort of like say three three or so three four months trying to sort of build a rapport and and realistically you, you you're trying to be you're trying to get on with someone so that they make your your job easier and and he and he genuinely did because he you know, he was he was really good with sort of whenever the press were here. He knew what he was saying and, and he sort of took it upon himself sometimes to say stuff. And that sort of made my life a lot easier. And I know for a fact that, you know, he was a big part of of the success last year. And, and he made jo- uh, Ben's job a lot easier as well in, in sort of his manner and how he conducted himself with the media. Um, but that was strange because then obviously we were in that sort of limbo period where we had Noel Hunt who... It was there, and and again, we you know we love Noel. We we were really sad to to see him go. Again, that was a bit of a shock. And now, obviously, we've got, we've got the gaffer in John Sheridan, um, who yeah is is a bit unorthodox in his ways, a bit old school. But he, you know he's he's really good with me, and he and he really helps me with the media. He's you know he's he's a really good bloke actually. And it like once once you're working in that environment, it's really it's really tough to see the abuse that he gets on social media and but I can I can understand fans frustration like I really do get that um but it but it is hard sometimes to sort of see what what is said 
Um, so yeah, the managerial thing was was a real a real eye opener. But I think you said to me before, you know, in terms of personal development, that's the sort of stuff that you can put on your CV, and that's the stuff that that is 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 good to show off that you've had to deal with that in such a weird period of time. Yeah, look, Richie Wellens was brilliant to this podcast, and there's no but to that. Um, he did a live show with me and the official supporters club and he, and he was on the line a couple of times and I went to the county ground and spoke to him as well. And he, he understood the importance of DIY media like myself, you know, people that aren't professional. Um, but he knows that it's important to do that sort of community outreach. You know, I, I'm still tremendously disappointed with some of the bits and pieces that happened in the 24 hours after he left. And I don't think that will ever change. But it's such an important tenure in Swindon's history, I think, especially if we stay up, because we just couldn't get out of that league too for love the money. And he got us out. And it just, and that season, just everything seemed to click and the, the fans sort of really got involved and invested again didn't feel like just a a, a habit it felt like it was exciting and he is responsible for that you know because he set up the team in the way he did which made Doyle the way he was and Yates the way he was and everybody else and it, it was it was just a really quick and sad divorce you know in that respect but I hope I really hope he goes on to do brilliant brilliant things because Swindon can claim some of that um without a shadow of doubt and john sheridan you know john sheridan has the handicap really of having a career already he has a legacy so when we look at his past and we know about him anyway because he's faced swindon many a times as a manager you kind of know what it's all about and then instantly you're up against it aren't you um and i think he's got a lot of work to do there are things that can be completely out of his you know, remit's not his fault, you know, things like the squad and develop and building it. But, you know, it's just too, it seems to me from the outside, and you may correct me, and you've kind of suggested it anyway, but to me, they're two completely different types of people. But are there plenty of similarities between the two? It's strange because I I know that I think Richie worked, I think sort of under him at Oldham for a bit was coming up and, and like they obviously know they know each other they're you know they're they're um oh, I wouldn't go as far as saying they're friends but like they they've got a lot of respect for each other yeah I think well obviously you know every every manager's got the similarity that they want to win um I think things like people branding the you know Sheridan now as the new gaffer is as as keeping some as keeping teams up um i I think you know everyone wants to keep their team up. I think he's 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 had a tough tough sort of job put sort of given to him, just because of obviously where we were in the table, uh, or where we are in the table. Sorry, and um, and of obviously how things have things have going. You know, we've had players leave, um, we've had staff leave. It's it's just been a weird a weird transition of time. Um, but like I said to you, you know he behind the scenes he's he's the nicest bloke and he's he's really good fun to have around and like I say you you just want you want the lads to be we want the team to be winning games for him because he, he does deserve it you know for the results to be coming our way but at the minute like as you can see and and, and the trouble is he's not wrong when he says we, you know we are we are playing good football at times and we do look like we're you know we're showing signs of of, of sort of staying up and then obviously 
you know, we're not getting the points. But then Cad hit the nail on the head in the press the other day when he said, realistically, we we have we have to now look at getting results. That's you know, playing pretty football can only get us so far. Um, and it, and you know, like I say, it's just a case of a couple of couple of wins and and you know, a case of just sticking with us and and, and sort of just backing us. And I know and I know that Swindon fans do. It's you know it's. It's almost it's a weird sort of cycle. We we play on a Saturday and we don't get the result, and you can understand that everyone's got frustration. And then by the time Saturday comes around, everyone's back on it and they're back at the hype and they're like, right, okay, come on, we can do this, we can do this. And then it's all it will happen again, and and then we'll get a win. And and it's just a, I honestly, I, I don't know how you Swindon fans do it because it's just a a roller coaster of emotions. Oh man, we're used to it now. I would say. Um... I think in my experience, I mean, I'm at, I'm at 30 years of active Swindon support now since my first game. And I think, I think it's just not to let your guard down when something good happens. It's just to anticipate a spanner in the works or some kind of drama to follow shortly afterwards. And that's how I get through it myself. I mean, Ultimately, it's a 46 game season. Here, here come the cliches. If we are 20th, and we stay up by one goal in the goal difference, then that's fine by me. That that would be success for John Sheridan. That is, and I think that's that's representative of a large core of the fan base. Of course, there are a lot that just want him gone, but we're not. You know, we're still one game shy of halfway through the season. It's still mid January. Players are going to come. Players are going to go. We imagine it's just standard football angst, isn't it? It is, yeah. And and like so, you don't really realise sort of the ups and downs and, and whatnot until you're sort of in and amongst it and you're working within it. Um, like obviously, like, like we just said, the, the sort of change in manager was, was a strange one in it. And it's one that, you know, you don't, well, it depends on what club you're at. So not one that you hope to experience too much because you're just trying to sort of build up, build up this relationship, but it is a, it's a strange time. And, and like you say, there, there are plenty of cliches that we can sit here and say, we have got we have got the rest of the season to try and sort of pick it up and you look at you look at sort of teams that have, that have gone down the in sort of years previous and you look at their points total and whatnot and you and that side of you do sort of think okay well yeah we do need to be picking up points um i think the, the most frustrating thing at the minute is that the teams around us are picking up points uh, and teams like Wigan who seem to have a new lease of life by scoring all these goals, but then obviously they're conceding a lot of goals. And Rochdale, and you, you saw what happened to Oxford when we beat them. They, I don't think they've lost since. So, it, like, it, it really is great. And it, we just need that sort of, that magic wand over our head with a bit of luck. And, and it, you know, we can say this many times we want, but it genuinely is true. We just need to cut the games on the spin. But, like I say, there, there are different... There, you know, it's a it's a tough league. It's a really tough league, and and you look at the fixtures and you think, okay, well, <laughs> they're going to be tough games. But you look at the games that we played against Hull, played against Ipswich, and you know Oxford to a degree, where we've where we've come out and we've dug deep and we've got we've got those points. We just need to be doing it more consistently, and and we do need that rubber the green sometimes because there have been times this season where we just haven't had that luck. Um, I think. The, the reverse fixture we had at Doncaster, um, Jordan Stevens was onside when when he scored. We've had you know numerous penalty opportunities turned down, which we've looked back over afterwards and 
and they are, and we've had a couple of goals that are offside. It's, like I say, there, there's only so much bad luck you can get. And and I think, you know, as soon as we start getting a bit of luck, and, you know, obviously we've got, we've got to be playing well as well. That's, you know, that's sort of part and parcel of it. But once we've got that, that little bit of like a, just a spark where it's, it goes on the inside of the post rather than the outside of the post. Do you know what I mean? Those matter of inches that can turn not only sort of a game, but can turn a player's confidence, which then in turn, you know, puts a, a team on a, on a higher level. And, and it's just, you know, just one of those things that, that we've just got to be patient for. But then I can understand that, that, that fans are losing patience. I, I do get it. Bit of room here though for Twine who took it on. It's genius. The extraordinary is becoming the ordinary for Scott Twine, a rising star in the lower leagues, and his star is shining brightly tonight. Well, it does not get better than that, striking a ball. Look, at as soon as he gets the ball, one thing in his mind, I'll tell you what, he didn't let the disappointment of an earlier opportunity get to him, took on the challenge, and that is unbelievably good. You're listening to the Low Strangers podcast, proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. Come on, Swindon! <laughs> You've also had quite a bit going on with the squad as well. I mean, in your time, you know, Michael Doughty's left football to run a shoe company. You've had Dion Donahue come and go quickly. People, you know, even, you know, fringe players like Cameron McGill and Tyler Reed have gone. And then you've had, like, the the lone players go as well. Jordan Stevens, as you mentioned earlier, and Kovash is gone and Fryer has gone. Well, obviously, he wasn't a lone player. But what what's it like in that terms of turn, turnaround? Did you, do you build relationships with the ones that aren't scheduled to be here longer? Um, I think... Do you know what? It's, it's a strange one because when you speak to people people like Steve Mildenhall, he will tell you that football's football and, and people change and, and things change and you have to be prepared for that, which I, I totally get, which obviously because I haven't worked in football before and, and been part of a football club, I didn't really understand it at the beginning. Yeah. It was very much... So obviously when the keepers went, I think... I, I mean, I, I was a... I was quite upset when Joe Fryer went because he was such a nice guy um, and he would always come and speak to you and, and he would always sort of make an effort to find out about your lives. And I think that's sort of the main thing about footballers. Mm. You know, everyone's got this, painted this picture of them that, that they are self-absorbed and, and you know, as long as they're getting paid and it, it, it's not a problem. But some, like, you know, the majority of players will ask you how your weekend was and they'll ask you about little bits that, that sort of resonate and you think, well, actually, yeah, they're, they're, there's human inside them. Like they're not, they're not all robots. Do you know what I mean? Um, so it's, it's nice to, to sort of build a relationship. But then obviously, like you say, when, when players are going and I, I think I just need to get used to, to seeing players leave. Cause it's a case of, right. Okay. They're, they're, at, you know, they're out the door essentially. Cause that's the harsh, the harsh sort of environment that, that, that they're in. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's a strange one to see people go, and it's also strange to see people come in. And and it, although it's exciting, again, it's sort of right. Okay, so I got you know because realistically, you're their sort of first port of call because you've got to interview them, you've got to photo, photograph them, 
you got to sort of liaise with them and their their agents as to sort of when the when the news is going out when we're going to put out that that they're coming in or whether they're leaving it's it's a strange sort of job role and position to be in uh, but one that you know once you sort of get used to it's it it, it really is sort of quite the, re- the rewarding job if that makes sense absolutely it does yeah okay well let's let's move towards the end of this conversation by going back to your actual job <laughs> um there's a couple of things about about like general content that that are interesting me really at the moment like has there been any sense of i mean when i when i sort of talk about this i say the podcast for example the podcast figures have been really quite good considering everything which i'm really grateful for but i won't lie that you know when the commute stopped last year there was a there was a dip in numbers and when we started playing badly there was a dip in numbers you know um do you guys see like content fatigue in any way with with what you out there uh yes yes and no because i think like well well, let's take today for example so obviously we've got we have the lads that come in and do the county ground uncut now that's something that was obviously so successful last year because we were winning you know you had you had the fans in there you had the atmosphere they were going down the tunnel and you you really sort of felt like you were with the players like this year it's so much different because we're not winning sort of anywhere near as many games as what we were doing last year so those sort of posts for example so it's like you'd you'd post out today i posted out the the uncut and and you know it gets i don't know to go from to go on twitter and it gets i don't know 30 likes or something like that and for me like in terms of content that's like relatively low mm. um, but then you put something up for example i said about johnny smith coming back from after a month and also it was a day on this day two years ago that we signed tom broadbent and then those sort of things go crazy like and and they do really well in terms of the likes and the engagement that we get um it, you know it's so weird because there are in my role, there's there's stuff that you can put out and you think, right, I think the fans are going to love this and I think this is going to do really well. And it doesn't necessarily do really well. And then I put a picture up um, on Cy Ferry's birthday of him, him in his pants and it gets a thousand likes. Like and, like, and that might be just someone else has seen it or someone has got, with a high following has retweeted it or something like that. So you can never really gauge sort of how how successful and how you know and how unsuccessful things are because it, it it just depends on the mood and and after you know when when we win a game that sort of gives you two three days of of you know really going right okay especially with scott twine scoring like that's a hell of a story um bearing in mind he's a swing you know he's, he's a local lad he he wasn't he wasn't necessarily in favor where under the old gaffer richie wellens He's been brought back and he and he scored a wonder goal and which effectively I mean obviously the other goals won us the game, but effectively was the main story and won us the game. And that sort of thing obviously then boomed and, and you can play with those things and you can be creative and and obviously when people like, you know, Soccer AM got involved and they said, Oh, you know, Scott Twine's just scored an absolute worldie and, and then Sky Sports do it and they because they've got such a large larger audience, it's sort of dragging attention to your club, which is nice because then because then you can sort of you can harness that and then you can sort of put stuff out and, and people will love it. And it's a really sort of feel good vibe. And then obviously, like I say, on the, on the flip side, which has happened quite a few times this year, I think I've only really felt like the week is going to be a dry week in, te- in 
terms of content. And that was when we, we lost to MK Dons and, and Doncaster. They sort of like, sorry, Doncaster Saturday. Like these are the, the, the only two times since I've been at the job that I think, right, okay, this is really going to be a challenge to, to try and sort of get everyone's morale back up. Um, which like I say, it always does the day before a game. And then depending on the result, it then sort of sets the tone for the rest of the week. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even when you do sort of make those attempts, you know, sometimes it doesn't backfire, but like if you put out something that's got nothing to do with a win, loss or draw, maybe a bit of community, what have you, and then you'll just get 10 replies of going sign someone, you know, <laughs> and things like that. And then you, you will celebrate, say, Johnny Smith, and you'll get replies that are negative towards Johnny Smith. And of course, Todd Broadbent has got plenty of money, you know, plenty of stock. So, you know, you could put anything and because he's the guy that sort of downed Oxford, then he he's okay. But there is, do you ever sort of send stuff going, this is so positive, this is so good. But I know when I click, when I, when I schedule this to go out, it's just going to be 15 people going, we're going down and he's rubbish. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a strange one because you sort of get a feel of, of, of how people are going to react and, and the scary, well, I say the scary thing from my point of view, the scary thing is you've got, so we've got probably about, I think 70, 77.4 thousand followers on Twitter. You know that at some point you're going to get a large majority of people looking at that piece of content. So you need to make sure that that it's spot on and that, you know, there are times where you make a, like a, a spelling error or something like that. And you, and the people are so quick to jump on it. You have to be incredibly careful. And like I said, they're, they're, you know, I've made plenty of mistakes so far. Um, and that's only going to come with experience and, and sort of checking stuff and, and whatnot. But yeah, it's, it's a shame because, you know, I, I saw some, some bits um, that people were saying about Johnny on Instagram today. And you're like, if you if you knew the guy if you knew the guy sort of in his normal clothes so to speak without the football shell and you you'd know that you know he's he's such a nice bloke and he and he and I, he probably won't mind me saying this but he's very short on confidence at the minute and and that just comes from you know one one shot going over the bar or or hitting the post or something like that and and he and he just needs a goal to sort of sparking back into life because he's so talented yeah. and we and we saw that um i think in his first game against brentford b when he, the day he signed um you could you could see that that you know he's got a spark in him and, and he he's just a brilliant lad so to see sort of stuff because because realistically like they, they start players become your mates to a to a point um because you spend so much time with them so so to see to see some of the sort of the abuse that that they get it, it, yeah it's not nice so you've, you've definitely got to be careful in in what you post and how you post it because obviously you you know that you know some some fans are gonna aren't gonna take to it and some fans are so it's yeah it's a strange it's, it's being able to strike that balance with good content but also like not not trying to to wind people up which i think i did a little bit with um with Jack Payne's goal against <laughs> yeah we lost don't matter <laughs> yeah well that's it and it, and it was a rocket and it like it was brilliant and you're like you want to you want to celebrate it because it it's goal of the month like it's better than any goal we've scored like apart from the Oxford goal do you know what I mean and then 
obviously you're like, right, well, <laughs> the content, but you put it out there and the first 10 comments, yeah, but we lost. This is pointless. This is a pointless tweet. And you sort of think, ah, oh, well, it hit your head. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. And then you think, well, no, actually, because you want to celebrate something that came out of the game. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's yeah, it's strange. And it, and it linked up to the content you did before the game in training as well, didn't it? So, you know, you put... I think pain scoring in in training a couple of days before, and it's sort of linked together nicely. And people don't tire of Matt Taylor scoring against Wickham from four hundred yards, and we lost that game. You know, it, it's 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 no different. You know, it's it's just that we're we're struggling a little bit more now. Has do does, has any player? And you don't have to name them, obviously, but has any player said, "Mate, you're killing me on social media. You you you've got to stop posting stuff about me because I'm reading the comments." You know, funnily enough, um, Joe Fryer um, actually mentioned to me that that I'd killed him because I think it was it was that pain it was that pain shot in training that I put up, um, and obviously like he's put it right in the corner. And the thing is, as well, you when we do like the the pre match shooting drills where you know someone stands there and they feed a ball in and they shoot, it, it, I feel really sorry for the goalkeepers because that drill is there for the players to practice. So when the goalkeeper doesn't save it and you get the fans saying, oh, well, the keeper should be doing better there. The keeper should, like, he should be saving that. Like, that's not the point of the drill. The point is that we're readying players to be in that position so that they can put it in the corners of the net. Um, but yeah, bless him. Joe Fry, Joe Fry said to me, oh, I said, Will, you've, you've really killed me there because uh, Pain's made, made it look like I wasn't trying. <laughs> okay, well, one, one final area that, that I'd like to discuss before because if if the season goes how we all fear or not all but how many of us fear and that's relegation and the doors open again we find ourselves in league two you know there there are quite concerning areas that we 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 have to face things like season ticket sales you know how how strong are they going to be and and the promotion for that and I was really curious to see how we're doing with with the numbers in terms of watching the game because, you know, you don't have to be a diehard now to watch every single Swindon match from your from your living room. So how how are the figures gone during this? Because I mean, people putting down their ten it's ten quid, isn't it? So people putting down yeah. their ten quid are they doing it regularly? Are are we looking okay? I, yeah, I, I would I would say so because I think like so that the way it works is that we get we get a hundred percent well I say we get all of the money um from obviously well, obviously not the season ticket holders because they've already paid the money so we technically have that already mm-hmm. but that but the so the people that aren't season ticket holders the people that buy the match pass we get one hundred one hundred percent of that obviously minus VAT and whatnot comes to the club. And then what happens is for away teams, so I think it'll either be Danny Lee or the secretary or something like that will liaise with the visiting club and they will they will sort of def- decide on an amount of um, tickets that we essentially give to the away supporters. So that's based on, you know, distance travelled, uh, sort of the, the, the proximity of the clubs, stuff like, I was speaking to Danny Lee earlier, stuff like the weather, and and how many play how many fans are going to come to the game if it's like hammering it down with rain or if it's freezing cold there are so many different variables so what happens is we then decide a number so say for example 
um, I don't know, Oxford come to the county ground and we decide that they would normally bring, I don't know, 1,500, 2,000. Um, we get all of the, the money from up till that 2,000 point. Anything that's higher goes to the away club. So we get all of the all the revenue from the match passes sort of from the home team and then the away team up until that point that we've agreed. So in terms of like numbers and stuff, our away, our away following has been pretty good. It's sort of been, I think it's an average of around about 1200 um, for an away, away game. And then obviously with the, with the home games, we, we have sort of range, something an average about 700, but then obviously we've then got a factor in the season ticket holders as well. So let's say for example, I think we've got three, 3,300 season ticket holders or something like that let's say 2,000 are watching it because obviously not everyone lives on their own so they've you know there are families that are watching the game um, so those sort of levels of they started off really high um, at the beginning of the season sort of Rochdale Burton they were quite high because obviously everyone's got the hype of a new season and, and watching the teams and then it sort of drifts down into sort of 600 500s um, which tend to be the, um, the the Tuesday night games tend to be the sort of lower numbers, and then obviously the Saturday ones uh, are the higher ones. But it sort of it peaked again uh, uh, for Doncaster, so that the, the numbers were going down a little bit towards sort of Charlton, MK Dons, and then Doncaster sort of went back up again. Um, so it, I mean, we we just sort of try and encourage everyone to. I know obviously if you're a family of five you're obviously going to watch one television. Do you know what I mean? It's not like you're all going to pay for it. Um, but we would we would sort of want to encourage sort of as many people to watch it because it really does go a long way and, and the club really does benefit from from it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, even in terms of families watching it together, that sounds low. Yeah, it does. I mean, like I say, we we don't know everyone's situation. We don't know. And like I said, like I said earlier, the... Um, Danny Lee would probably be able to tell you a lot more on it than I than I can, just because that's sort of more his his remit. But but like I say, the the, the numbers, especially the um, especially the the away games, we we tend to get quite a lot, and I think that's probably because they then factor in season ticket holders as well, because it's sort of level playing field. Everyone has to buy a match pass. Um, then, like I say, the home games sort of go up and down like a bit like a roller coaster, and and they've sort of, they've peaked up again. I think Doncaster. We had, we had our second highest for the season. So that's sort of, you know, I think once we beat Ipswich, that was a case of people going, right, okay, let's, you know, let's get behind get behind the lads again. And and, and that's sort of where we're at at the minute. And all i got to say before before we go, 7pm kickoffs are killing me, man. That's my daughter's bedtime. I know. It's, it's a strange one because, like I said, and do you know what, I'll be perfectly honest with you, I'm really still not sure the reason why why it's all done um it might be because so that the away team hasn't got a stupidly long travel back i mean like, i know that our game at sunderland will be will be a strange one hopefully um it'll be a case where hotels are open and stuff so we there's not like that that massive journey back um on the night so we'll have to we'll have to sort of play that one out but yeah it's, it's a strange one then having because i think there was a point where we were announcing that pretty much every game one after the other that I found myself doing a, a bit on the website every day that we were changing the, the times. Why didn't they just say, right, okay, all these Tuesday night games are going to be seven o'clock or, or whatever. And then you could just sort of do it all in bulk. 
Will, that was really, really interesting. And it's always good to have you on. Thank you very much. Oh, thanks for having me, mate. Really, um, really enjoy, really enjoy speaking. Thank you very much. The Low Strangers is a Swindon Town podcast proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. The music was created by the great Matthew Kilford and the artwork was designed expertly by Matt in Singapore. Thanks for listening. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 